You are listening to Written in the Stars, Books and Beyond, where hosts from the LCC Library sit down with writers, publishers, entrepreneurs, and literary enthusiasts of all types. Join your hosts, Amy Ewald, Robin Moore, John Salaji, and Abby Tebow as we explore the very heart of the written word. Welcome to Written in the Stars, Books and Beyond. I'm Robin Moore, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Salaiji. Today, we have the pleasure of hosting author Dr. Jennifer Wimbish, who will be discussing her book, Leadership Wisdom for All Generations. Leadership Wisdom for All Generations invites us on a transformative journey, offering, offering valuable leadership principles and reflective practices that can be life-changing. Dr. Wimbush shares profound insights drawn from her personal experience and wisdom she has gleaned from remarkable leaders who have left a lasting impact on her life. Among the leaders mentioned is former LCC President Abel Seitz. Welcome, Dr. Wimbush. Thank you for being here. Thank you. So my first question for you is kind of about the structure of your book. At the beginning, you recommend different chapters for different audiences. For example, you su suggest youth or students read chapters one through four. What made you structure your book this way? Well, in the beginning, I'm talking about things that shaped my character. And so often college students and high school students uh, are most interested in those pieces where experienced leaders are more interested in things like how do you create shared missions for organizations to work together? So there are some that I'd suggest everyone read and then some for the different populations. I do one for women. Mm -hmm. How do you advance your career and not lose your child and your husband? You mentioned the first chapters have a lot of experiences from your youth and your teen years. Uh, what were some of the things that really stood out to you from, from those years that you would recommend to young folks who are aspiring leaders? Well, the, the big thing I was taught was always to be excellent and to do your best every day because every day counts. Uh, and so that's extremely important. Uh, and I share the story that, hey, if a doctor had to deliver 100 babies and drop 10, that wouldn't be good. And so that was a very, very important piece. And then the whole notion of telling the truth, mm. even when it's difficult, and especially when you're young, to try a lot of things to see what you like so that by the time you get through high school, you have some sense of what you want your career to be. Dr. Wimbush, you should have kind of hit on this question. How does this book cross generational divides and how can it help today's college student? Well, the things that are in the book, all leaders need. So everyone needs to understand how to communicate and how to talk to people when you're planning a project for them. So it crosses across all generations in that anybody leading needs to know those basic principles. And then if you are a very experienced leader, then especially in the second edition, I talk about more complex issues. How do you lead a thousand organizations as compared to the five to eight I grew up with? 
That, that's complex. And so what things do you need to know about that? I'm glad you lifted that about experienced leaders, because that was going to be my next question. How can this book benefit or help out um, experienced leaders? So thank you for lifting that. Well, you know, often people don't know what they don't know. Mm. And so especially when I talk about that, the hardest thing for a leader to do is to communicate the vision so everybody can hear, see, feel, touch and move with it. People don't think about that. So even experienced leaders to know that. But then as we move on and I talk about things around um, how do you create uh, a vision that's simple so that people know what it means, uh, the whole notion of how do you establish a network? Everything is about relationships. So when you're an experienced leader, you have to have a political agenda. You have to have an economic agenda. You have to have a social justice agenda. You have to have a money agenda. So how do you make sure you know influencers that will help you with anything you want to do? So sure, Young leaders need to know that. But as you become more experienced, it's things like that that I share uh, and hone in on that's very important. You mentioned, especially for young leaders, the importance of building networks. What are some good ways for young leaders to build networks? Well, you know, as a young person, I say, and I was taught, first you need to hang around with great people. So you need to know uh, what you want to do and then connect there. But we just teach simply that when you go into an organization or somewhere, say, who are the 10 people here that makes things happen? It's that simple. And then you get to know those individuals, you interview them, and then you say, especially when you're new in an organization, this is what I want to do. Can you help me with that? Do you have suggestions about that? And usually then they are giving you good ideas. You raise the idea up and they're committed to helping you. So it's just asking people who makes things happen. You were talking about it a little bit there and you talk about a lot in your book, mentoring relationships. And I know that one of the people you talk about in the book is Dr. Sykes. Yes. Um, and for our listeners, who may not know, we are actually in the building named for Dr. Sykes right now, the Abel Sykes uh, Technology and Learning Center. And so could you tell us a little bit about working with Dr. Sykes and what Dr. Sykes was able to teach you? Yes, Dr. Sykes was a great leader and he understood relationships. He also understood the importance of continuous improvement, that when you're doing something, you have to look at the impact of that on different individuals. He also understood that when you're doing something, you have to be close to the people. Uh, I always give the example, uh, you're working on uh, housing and you decide by yourself what kind of houses people need. And so he was very much into that and we were organized so that we all had to have relationships with the city. Back then there were eight cities mm -hmm. and we all had relationships. And uh, I think I had Howell, for example. Mm -hmm. So I needed to know everything about Howell. And so I was the point person for Howell. So the community knew they could reach 
out to me and I could get a message to him and I would work with them. So that was important. But the thing that I remember the most is Dr. Sykes taught me the importance of the five whys and that leaders asked good questions. So whenever you went in to talk to him, he would say, why, why, why? By the time you get to the fifth why, you understand what's going on. So that was the thing that I most learned from him. The leader asked great questions. You don't have to know everything, but you have to ask great questions. When it comes to asking questions, especially from a leadership to try and gain more uh, knowledge, what are some examples of good questions? You say, you know, ask why questions. Mm. What are examples of good questions, way to draw out information? Well, you know, the basic foundational one is, tell me about the purpose Mm -hmm. of this project. Why are you doing it? Who are the people you want to impact? What do you know about those people? Tell me what the data says. Mm -hmm. Data, data. (laughs) Tell me what the information says. You know, you're a teacher. Tell me what the information says. Who's doing well? Who's not doing well? And so always, always those questions about research mm-hmm. and best practices and what do the people want? Those are always good questions. I'm so glad that you, you shared that, the why. It is extremely important. Um, there's a chapter when you realize you wanted to have a lifetime career in a community college. What makes community colleges so special and important to you, Dr. Wimber? Well, I've always been interested in helping students. Mm. And so sometimes research institutions are focused on research. And while I like that, I have always been interested in helping students. So the whole notion, there's not a community college in this country that can't take a student from an eighth grade reading level. Many of the students come to us at that. And then take them to a 14th grade reading level. So the whole notion of helping students develop to get clear about their purpose and to excel, we do that so well. So that's what's exciting to me about the community college. So when did you find out, this is what I wanted to do, this helping? I'm hearing the word help. When did you find out in your life that, hey, I want to help students. This is what I want to do. Well, you know, I grew up in a town that Mm -hmm. believed that it takes a village to be a good community. Mm -hmm. So we just grew up knowing that if someone had a fire, Mm -hmm. people were going to do that. And so as I moved to college, I think at Hampton University, I learned that I liked helping People. We had a program for veterans. We'd go to the veteran hospital. Uh, and veterans who didn't have any family, we would talk to them. And it was at that moment I knew that. But it wasn't until I was much older. You know, I talk about in the book, you ought to write a purpose statement for your life, have strategic plans, goals, and objectives. What are my goals for my family? What are my goals for my career? That is very difficult. And so I share with people, there are all kinds of instruments that help you with that. So it was much later that I understood it at a very complex level. I noticed also in your book that, uh, speaking of creating a purpose statement for 
an individual, you have some tools in the back of the book that can do that. Can you kind of explain how people can use those tools? Well, you know, in the book, I say simply go through and pick one to three things that you, uh, it resonated with you and that you're going to integrate into your life daily, weekly. Then I say, and think about one thing that you would leave as a legacy that you want to tell other people as we keep the conversation going. And so often people need, uh, I have 12 things that I got from the book. What are the three that most would impact me? And how do I have a plan to do that one to two things ongoing? You've talked a little bit, and Robin asked you about um, helping students and how important that was for you. Um, but in the book, you also talk a lot about helping faculty, employees, everyone else who is at the college as well, especially as a leader, and really the idea of servant leadership. Mm -hmm. could, you, could you talk a little bit about that? Well, first thing, I think there are no big eyes and little U's. We all bleed blood, mm -hmm. so we're all the same. And so I have a philosophy of leading by walking around. Mm -hmm. And so I give everyone, uh, I used to every Thursday at 3 o'clock, anybody could come in and talk to me about anything. Mm -hmm. And so I learned their dreams uh, for the college, mm -hmm. and we could integrate those in. So it's important to me for everybody to feel like they are a part of the action. They are a part of the work I talk about, and people are always surprised uh, that I used to uh, do line dancing every, uh, maybe it was Tuesday from three to four. And so students would come and they were surprised that I could dance. Uh, <laughs> and then I used to do with the cheerleaders sometimes uh, something at uh, the basketball games. And uh, so it makes then the leader human and it makes people comfortable in saying the good, the bad, the ugly. Now, sometimes I have to say, uh, if people are going to talk about their supervisor, now, you know the rule is you should never tell me anything that your supervisor doesn't already know. So every now and then I have to say, well, have you told your supervisor yeah. that? And so that it becomes we know one another, but there, there's order to how we work together. So you were talking about how much you enjoy dancing, <laughs> and you might notice that I am dressed a little unusually today. Why I bring that up is with dancing, with dressing in my leader hosen, um, the idea of you need to have fun as a leader, too, and you need to be able to kind of show off that fun. Were there other ways that you were able to have fun and help build morale with the teams that you led? Well, you know, I also talk about balance. Yes. Yeah. If you are so tired that you are grumpy all the time and mm. you can't think, uh, that's not a good thing. So the whole notion of being balanced and taking some time away from things. But then working so that 
people are rewarded based mm-hmm. on their reward system. I said when I went to Cedar Valley mm-hmm. and I said to people, what do you most want? And people said, we want you to give us a birthday card <laughs> on our birthday. Uh, but when I was here at uh, LCC, I always, for those things we were trying to do, online instruction, is I put money out there and said, oh, here is $30,000. Who's going to come to do the Mm -hmm. things we want to do and get this money? And uh, uh, one of the people who worked with me uh, remembered that I charged them week after we created the student services building, the library building. I said, now go tell the world about it. And I'm going to give you money to go to all of the big conferences mm. to present on it. So, you know, that's sort of fun. You're going out of state. But then it allows for us to have a story. And they did that so well that people start coming from all over the nation. Let me see your student services building. Let me see your library building. Well, that's also good for the administration. But you have to know what it is the people want and then you have to have reward systems. So when they get that one more thing in Cedar Valley, people wanted me to teach a class. Mm-hmm. And so I taught a leadership class. And so, boy, people would look, I'm in Dr. Wimbish's leadership class. Uh, so you have to know what's exciting to people and you have to be willing to do those things. And, and, I'm, and I, I'm glad you shared about balance because I was going to ask you about that. You talk about... Um, you talk about the need of leaders to find workplace and life balance. And I was curious, what are some ways besides dancing <laughs> that you find balance? Well, uh, the first thing is I have Sunday. I don't look at, te- I don't look at the technology. Uh, and, you know, sometimes that can sort of. But if people know your standards where mm. you're working, uh, and so I say, look, guys, don't y'all email me on Sunday. I need some time to rest. So you have to have time away from the technology and you have to plan time for your family. Mm-hmm. And when you can integrate those things, it's great. For example, my son at 12 had to learn racquetball because racquetball was my exercise and it was my time to check him out to see what was going on in his life. And so you have to have time. I had my mother just passed uh, at 96. Mm -hmm. So I had to have time with her, had to have time with my husband, had to have time for me to dance and to pull it all together in some way that gives you freedom also Mm -hmm. to be who you are. So you have to sit down. You know, it used to be time management. Now they call it self-management. And what can you give away that you don't have to do? One more thing. Young women now, y'all don't have to go buy your groceries if you don't want to. You don't have to cook if you don't want to. So give away things that add no value. Wow. Give away things that add no No value. value. What about at work? How do you find that balance at work when you've got people pulling from you, people pulling from you in all directions? How do you do that? Well, first thing is, and people struggle with this, I say every leader should work at home one day a month. And boy, you know, people struggle with that. And then I learned from great leaders, one day a week have catch up time. Mm-hmm. So one day, take three to four hours and have catch-up time. Now, if something urgent happens, 
you've got to deal with that. But if people know the deal, uh, my husband and I commuted for when I was here for 10 years. And so people knew my husband is here on Friday. Could we try not for me to have speaking engagements on Friday? And people adjust to that. Uh, and so people also need to know what your world looks like. My mm -hmm. friends know that I'm looking at HGTV on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So um, your book, um, Leadership Wisdom for All Generations, the, the second edition is out now. What did you add to the second edition? Well, the second edition was after we had been through COVID. Uh, the January 6th, uh, we all saw George Floyd killed on TV. And I said in 2022, there were 600 mass murders. Mm. And so I then decided to work with organizations that were impacting some huge issue. I say, for example, there were 27 million people uninsured before COVID. There were 140 million people who were one step away from being homeless before COVID. So now how do you lead? And that gets you to the thousand leading a thousand. So I talk about one in retirement. How does an old lady figure out what she's going to focus on? How do you bring this thousand organizations together around a common purpose? How do you infuse equity into an organization? How do you create intergenerational organizations? So when I leave, the young people know everything I know. And how do we work together to sustain organizations? And then I think I end with balance. Mm. Uh, how do you get old? Uh, and people like for me to say mature. I'm just old. How do you get old? And how do you do it where you have balance, mm. where you're excited about what you want to do, and you live true to your purpose. Mm. Oh, I love this interview. Thank you so much. Um, right. Is there anything else that, obviously, second edition is out, is there anything else you're working on right now that you would like to share with us? Well, I'm working on housing mm. uh, for the homeless, especially veterans. Mm -hmm. Uh, my consulting area is strategic planning. I love strategic planning. So people call me in to talk about that. But my heart is, how could people fight for this country and be homeless? And so uh, I'm working on that in my hometown and in Dallas because I line up things so that I can learn about them. And so that work requires charting the problem, mm -hmm. bringing lots of organizations together. Let me just say quickly, you got to have LULAC at the table. You have to have Native American and Asian groups at the table. Mm -hmm. You have to have the money people. You have to have the people that are going to make the laws to change it. And so I'm enjoying that work. Even sometimes I'm just like, oh, how did we get to this place? So that's the space I'm working in right now. Wow. Dr. Wimbush, this book leaves a legacy of insight from leaders that are meant to be passed on unto the next generation. I want to personally, we want to personally thank you for being our guest today, Dr. Wimbush. You can find 
Dr. Wimbush's book, Leadership, Wisdom, and Our Generations on Amazon. We would like to thank yeah. you for today's Th- interview. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. And uh, it was our honor to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Have fun. You have been listening to Written in the Stars, Books and Beyond. Visit lcc.edu library to find the titles discussed in this episode. You can find previous episodes of Written in the Stars and other LCC Connect shows at lccconnect.com. In the words of Miguel de Unamuno, I hope, reader, we shall meet again and we shall recognize each other. Connecting you with Lansing Community College, this is LCC Connect. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Coming in November to the Lansing Community College Black Box Theater, playwright Kate Hamill's playful new adaptation of Jane Austen's beloved novel, Sense and Sensibility. It follows the fortunes and misfortunes of the Dashwood sisters after their father's sudden death leaves them financially destitute and socially vulnerable. Showing November 10th through the 19th. For more information, visit lcc.edu slash show info. We don't want to take your picture. We want to give it to you for free. LCC President's Office and the Photography Department presents Help Portraits. Register online to get a free professional headshot or family photo on Saturday, December 2nd from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. in the Gannon Commons on LCC's downtown campus. Help Portraits at LCC also includes fun activities for the entire family. Learn more and register at lcc.edu slash and search portrait. Hi, I'm Demi Lovato. I've always dreamt of using my voice to make a difference. What I didn't expect was that mental illness would get in my way. Living with bipolar disorder, there were so many times that I felt like I was alone. The hardest part was dealing with my bipolar depression. I finally hit rock bottom and decided to get help. Then slowly, things started to change. For me, it takes speaking up, finding the right treatment plan, taking care of myself, and getting back to what I love. After finding the right healthcare professional and opening up to family and friends, I realized that bipolar disorder may be a part of my life, but it isn't who I am. Living well is possible. Even though sometimes it seems like hard work, you're worth it. Visit BeVocalSpeakUp.com to use your voice to make a difference. That's BeVocalSpeakUp.com. Michigan residents age 25 or older may qualify for Michigan ReConnect, a program providing free or reduced tuition to students who have not earned a prior college degree. ReConnect students are responsible for books and fees. Visit lcc.edu slash reconnect for more information. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Welcome to Community Convos, a podcast and radio program from LCC Connect with conversations about what's happening in Lansing and around mid-Michigan. 
Welcome back to the convo. This is Cassie Little, and I am here again to talk to you about some upcoming LCC Performing Arts events. Make sure not to miss them. Today, I've got Paige Tufford here to talk about LCC Jazz Band upcoming performances. Hi, Cassie. Yeah, we have got, uh, you know, every semester at the end of the semester, all of our music and theater classes, they do like capstone performances for their students. And this semester is really special because the LCC Jazz Band is doing two concerts. Nice. And um, they're free to the public. So come out and see them. Uh, the first concert is on November 18th at 7 p.m. at the MSU Community Music School. And that's located at 4930 Hagedorn Road. And then their second concert is the next day, November 19th at 4 p.m. at Stage One. And that's at 2200 Lake Lansing Road. The jazz band's led by LCC music faculty Jonathan Gwertz, and they are fantastic. You yes. don't want to miss uh, seeing them play. They're wonderful. And it's wonderful to support them as kind of their the end of their class, um, a celebration, and also to show their work that they've put in for the semester and it's free. So come out and enjoy some free music. Right. If you like big band jazz, you don't want to miss it. It's wonderful. And that information will be on the performing arts Facebook page. They have these events on there. Um, the LCC Theater Music and Dance Facebook page. So we'll share those on the LCC regular college social media as well. So look out for that. Um, and we will have Paige back to talk about some other upcoming performances. So make sure you tune in again to the combo. Thanks, Paige. You're welcome. You've been listening to Community Combos, a program from LCC Connect with conversations about what's happening in our community. To listen to this episode on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org or find us on your favorite podcast platform. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on Community Combos, email us lcc-connect at lcc.edu. And thanks for joining the combo. Featuring the faculty, staff, students, and others that helped to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. LCC Connect, Mid-Michigan's connection to Lansing Community College. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. If you're considering returning to school, exploring career options, or needing support in life transitions, Lansing Community College has the Adult Resource Center available to qualified students. The Adult Resource Center staff provides one-on-one appointments, registration assistance, referrals to community and campus resources, tuition and childcare grants, academic advising, and other helpful tools to help with your educational career. To find out more information, visit lcc.edu and search Adult Resource Center. Okay, here are five important reasons why your son or daughter should play a high school sport. Number one. High school sports teach valuable life lessons like self-discipline, sportsmanship, and time management skills. Two. 
Teens who play a high school sport have better grade point averages and fewer disciplinary problems. Number three. High school sports help fight teen obesity and substance abuse. Here's number four. High school sports provide wholesome, constructive after-school activity, perfect for today's families. And number five. And high school sports are safer than ever before. Injury surveillance and research, better equipment, and the continuing education programs for coaches provided by state and national athletic associations have made high school sports safer than ever before. This message presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association and the Michigan Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. We don't want to take your picture. We want to give it to you for free. LCC's President's Office in the Photography Department presents Help Portrait. Get a professional headshot or family photo Saturday, December 2nd in the Gannon Commons on LCC's downtown campus. Learn more and register at lcc.edu and search Portrait. The Job Training Center at Lansing Community College provides two-month job training opportunities that are free to eligible participants. Training courses range from information technology to administrative assisting. For more information, visit lcc.edu slash jtctraining. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. This is Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, a podcast and radio program presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. Most any contemporary musical style can trace its roots back to the blues. Time Signatures explores the blues and its musical connections with captivating interviews, lively discussions, and news from the world of the blues. And now, here he is, your host, Jim Irvin. Oh, yes, I am home once again. Uh, (laughs) Like I've said so many times before, you never know where I'm going to show up. I could be in a park somewhere. I could be uh, sitting in Old Town, uh, taking in some music. You never know where I'm going to be. But tonight, I'm uh, I'm coming to you uh, from my home, the Casa de Irvin, out here in Mason, Michigan. Living Blues Magazine said this about my next guest on Time Signatures. There's enough promise here to mark him as an artist to watch. He continues to pave his way in the blues, and he is on his way to creating his own legacy. Now, this young man is a product of the Houston ISD Fine Arts Magnet Program, a 2020 graduate of Kinder High School for Performing and Visual Arts, an emerging young Texas guitarist who just came into Memphis for the 2023 International Blues Challenge and swept past the competition to not only win the band division, but he also took the Best Band Guitarist Award. Oh, and by the way, he's only 20 years old. Matthias Latine, welcome to Time Signatures. Man, thanks for having me. Actually, <laughs> I got I got a question on one thing. Uh-oh. One. Just turned 21. Oh, man, I missed your well, happy just birthday. Just turned 21. When, when was your hey, birthday, man? man? It was middle of the summer, July 16th. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, happy so, birthday I'm, to you. Appreciate it. Appreciate Nothing it. wrong with being 21 with uh, with the uh, impressive record that you've already amassed here. I have to be honest, it's difficult to know precisely where I need to start with you, Matthias, because you truly <laughs> have accomplished so much at such an early age. But you find yourself in some rather exclusive company, the likes of which include Joe Bonamassa, Johnny Lang, 
And another of today's up-and-comers from the UK, Toby Lee. It's a pretty significant company, I might add. But before we get into the meteoric rise with your musical career, I would like to have you talk about where it all began. So it, it all started with me, uh, well, really for my grandmother, right? My grandmother mm-hmm. got me started into the blues. Okay. Uh, well, maybe around when I was in fifth grade. I can't remember that age, maybe like 13 or so. And she hit me to a video. It's funny to say that, like most interviews I hear, they're like, yeah, I got tapes. I'm like, well, I had YouTube. So <laughs> she put a, a YouTube video on, and it was a B.B. King, Jimmy Vaughn, mm. Robert Cray, and Buddy Guy, and they're all singing uh, Rock Me Baby. Oh, yeah. And man, from that point, from that point, I was hooked on blues. And right it on. just kept going from there. Now, when you when you got your first taste of the blues, I mean, did you know right away that you wanted to become a professional musician? Yeah, just about, man. Like, so BB's one of my like biggest inspirations. And really when I saw him mm-hmm. and I just kind of depth dive and I was like, okay, I want to, I want to do this like professionally. Like this is, this is the goal. This is the end all be all. I got to right figure on. this out, you know? Very cool. Now, when you, uh, when you were growing up uh, after that, with that, that first taste, did you have a, a favorite song that you just had to hear over and over again? It was Rock Me Baby. I mean, like, once I got hooked to that one song, I went and found every version I possibly could. And, I mean, I've learned every version that I can think of, including some uh, the bootleg video of Joe Bonamassa doing it. There's mm-hmm. a video of my friend uh, uh, Kingfish doing it. We do it with, Ke- with Keisha's band. I've heard the myriad of versions, including the one where he B.B. Uh, King does it at the jail. That was my yeah. song. Now, is that yeah. something you you go back and, and take a dip in the well and listen to it every now and again just to give you some more inspiration? I do, actually. And actually, I'm glad you said that. Like, I just listened to, uh, I had been on a, listening to my own st- on my own music, trying to make sure it was all right lately. And, sure. you know, gearing up for all these festivals and stuff, making sure I knew my own parts. And I just had to put on some BB yesterday. And that was like the whole day, just from beginning to 2 a.m. When I got home, it was it was just BB and a lot of just, you know, a lot of versions of Rocky Baby on my phone. I didn't realize it until you said it, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that if it's quality, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I, I know you've, you've mentioned BB several times here already. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about some other early, you know, some of your earlier musical influences. Did you have some others that really caught your ear? Who were they? Yeah. How did they shape the blues journey? So um, I like a lot of guitar players. I actually like a lot more horn players than I like guitar players. But the guitar players mm-hmm. that kind of shaped my my sound, I would say, was guitar in general. Like, so I listened to a lot of West Montgomery. I, I got a little bit of jazz training under my under my fingers. Um, right. West Montgomery and some uh, George Benson. And, you know, I can't be a Texan without mentioning Mr. Albert Collins. <laughs> You're right on, man. The the late, great Johnny Guitar Watson, that's for sure. That's been a major thing as of late. Real, real funky blues style kind of thing coming out of, well, he's from Houston by way of California, right? And then uh, okay. Uh, I I really like Albert King really like Albert King because I like changes in the music. I love different kind of core qualities. And when I can find that, I try to stick with it. That stuff is beautiful. Right on. I, I want to kind of turn the page just a little bit here. I'd like to yeah. have you describe your creative process when you're writing music. Do you normally 
uh, start with a with a, the words? Do you start with a tune? How does that come together? So every song that I that I kind of go with, it kind of all it's all different. Like every song has its own little personality, including on, mm-hmm. um, including how it starts off. Some of them I have, I'll have the chorus first, and I'll write around that. Sometimes I'll have the song, you know, the music first, and I'll write around that. And usually I let the song write itself. Like I let it tell me what the story is. I never sure. try to force the story. I don't try to force the changes. I let it kind of dictate what it wants to do. Matthias, I want to ask you real quick, um, because I, I interviewed uh, a young guy by the name of Chris Canis up here in Michigan not too long ago. And one of the things Chris talked about is uh, he could he could get uh, inspiration from uh, tires thumping on the pavement going down the road. Is, it, it, have you ever had anything like that come across when you're when you're going down tires? the road? Maybe something. You said tires on the pavement. Yeah, just th- the thumping of the tires on the pavement. He says it, it just it forms a beat in his head and and it just triggers him to start working on a on a beat. I can't say I've had that, but I know like I'll be driving. And I'll have to turn off the music. I'm like, what's that sound? It is like my head just like swirling about, you know, there you go. song ideas. So I'll have that. It just seems like uh, that m- people that write music, they find mm-hmm. inspiration in some of the most strange and, and cool areas in, in their head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Like, I won't go to sleep. Like, I can't go to sleep listening to music or any of that because I, I constantly rearrange stuff as I'm listening. So... I have to be careful about that. <laughs> <laughs> so otherwise you're going to be working all night, huh? All night long. I think there was one day where I actually did like, cause I had a, I had blackout curtains at the time. I did wake up. I didn't wake up. I didn't go to sleep. I was working oh, from man. 8 PM. And the next thing I know it was school time. It was like 6 AM in the morning. I was like, Oh, well, wow. I guess we're skipping English. <laughs> <laughs> This is Time Signatures. My uh, name is Jim Irvin, and my guest today is 21-year-old Matthias Latine. Matthias, I am so uh, enamored with your story. You were uh, initially trained as a jazz guitarist before the blues caught your eye. And I'm just wondering, how do you incorporate that jazz knowledge and technique in your music? Because I'm telling you, man, you're you're not just a straight-out blues player. There's there's some twists and some licks in there that that definitely give a, a a taste of the jazz in there as well. Yeah, man. I just try to throw it in if I can. Like I, I don't let it be too forceful, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, we have the song called "Lose Some Weight." It's a 16 bar blues for the most part, and we got this bridge is in a different key. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and so I like key changes a lot. So every time I can I can throw it in, I'll try to throw in maybe one or two different key changes but um the jazz stuff comes from that like a lot of jazz standards have these oddball key changes that are really really nice to hear like uh, there's a song called oleo oleo has one of those and okay. it, the bridge is an entirely different key it's up a up a third i'm gonna say yeah and it starts going through the motions like that and then we're back to to the main thing nobody even realized so i just love i love those kind of qualities in the music when they just seamlessly do it and I try to slip it in there. Yeah. Very cool. Hey, by all accounts, you truly took Memphis by storm this past January, uh, taking the band division as well as the best guitarist award. Talk about that competition for a little bit. What was the experience like? 
What do you remember most about it? And what did you take away from that event? So we had been, well, I had been, this is my fourth time going to the IBCs, just participating. I went once as the, uh, as a youth act with another artist. I went the second time as a youth act with my own band. Um, and then the third time I went with an artist named Chris Croshamore. I was a side guitar player and okay. we were knocked out in round one. Wow. Yeah. We, we barely made it out, uh, our room in Memphis. <laughs> and so I'm serious. Like the first time I, we were like, what? Right on. But, um, and my drummer, Nick, has actually been with me those last two times. So he was in the youth group, the second one. He was with me with uh, Chris Croshamore. And so uh, I, I turned around about a month afterwards. I told, I said, Nick, man, I, I think I want to go for the IBCs. You know, he was like, bro, if you want to do it, I'll, I'll do it with you. I'll support you. And we went in there with a brand new bass player by the name of Jesse Gomez. We went in there as a trio. And, you know, trios don't really make it too far in that that competition if you haven't yeah, noticed right. and so we did our our best to treat be full and you know really craft ourselves in a manner in which that we really represented our city and then that we represented the music that that's there like you have to write all original songs so we had to yes i sat there wrote some songs that i felt were were honest i didn't try to go in there with a, with stuff i didn't know about I try right. to write honest music because I can't play a song if I don't, you know, agree with what it's saying. I mean, I can, but sure. there's a different kind of emotion when I'm telling you a story that I've been through. Right. You talked about that being your, your fourth trip. Was there something yeah. about this trip that felt different to you when you, when you got down there? It felt like a weight, a real big weight. I had a, the weight of being one of the youngest members on the street this year. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, I'm, I'm literally a, at this point, I'm two, two years older than the youth acts that are on the street. Like during Memphis, like, you know, we, the max that I heard on the street from Memphis in the youth category was 18. So wow. we're two years older and I'm the youngest person in my own band. So we're up there. I'm like, okay, I'm a 20 year old dude. You know, they might kick me just because I don't know anything, you know? So I just went in there, tried to, you know, try not trying to prove, but just trying to, trying to say that, like, I can do this. You know, it was, it was more so like, it's a big fear. I'm coming from the 2018 international band that won was Keisha Pratt. And they live right here in the city in Houston. Mm. Everybody, we all live here in Houston. And, sure. you know, I've been touring with the band for three years. So I've picked up a thing or two, but it doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, figure it out. So I just kind of play the game plan that I could figure out and go in there with the best I could. Cause that's a lot and of weight, you, man. That's, it, we got, <laughs> we got two and that, and that must, Diana Greenleaf and Keisha. And that must've felt like such a weight being lifted off when you walked away with it. Well, you know what? The weight that got me, uh, one of my mentors, a big mentor of mine is John Del Toro. He presents the, the best guitarist award. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when he first said the words, I watched this young man grow up, I was like, he's, he's not talking about me. There's no way. <laughs> Cause that's the guy that I, I mean, he let me come into the, the first jam session I've been to in 2013 uh, when I was 13. Yeah. When I was 13, he was the first jam session I went to. He let me play on the stage, gave me pointers, 
and you know help me you know craft my own tone you know sure and uh to win the best guitarist award was way that 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 begun the whole like oh my gosh moment you know mm-hmm. and to be in the top three first off everyone that went in that orpheum was just over the top phenomenal like they really had me nick and jesse like okay we we didn't get this there's no way to even <laughs> know we were in the top three that's crazy the fact that we won man it just made all of them like sleepless hours that we put together like those rehearsals that went from 2 p.m to 9 p.m just worth it let me ask you when you when you won that night did you sleep I didn't sleep till like maybe three a.m. and our flight was the next morning at five. <laughs> I can, I mean, I can only imagine. I mean, that's like the pinnacle of what you've been working on for years. Yeah, I mean, like, because you got to remember when I went with my band in 2017, 2018, sure. Keisha won, and you know they came in and helped us. And it was such a full circle moment because um, the youth band that we sent this year, me and my guys, we came in and helped them. It was so surreal. It was like copy, not copy and paste, but like, wow, we're do we're we're putting our energy, our good energy, into the world, and this was what happened, you know. And I know that had to feel good. Um, looking at your tour dates, and I've been peeking here. Uh, you've got the Heritage Blues Festival in Wheeling, West Virginia. And by the this way, weekend, yeah. when you're down there, I want you to look for a, a, a guy by the name of Ben Levin. Okay. He plays piano. Player? Piano. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I talked to him at the BMAs this year. I, inter- I interviewed him just a couple of days ago and I told him to be looking for you. And he was excited to know that you were going to be there. So do me a favor and go up and tell him that Irv said hi. Would you do that for me? I sure will. I would appreciate that. So you've got the Heritage Blues Festival. You've got the mm-hmm. big blues bender in Vegas, which is like off the charts. Oh, my God, going to be fun. Yeah. Um, arguably two of the biggest events of the year. And then mm-hmm. you're slated to appear on the legendary Rhythm and Blues Cruise in October. And that's leaving out of San Diego, right? It is leaving out of San Diego. And Ben's going to be on that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> so... How do you prepare for events like these? I mean, these are these aren't just little things. Man, we rehearse hard. <laughs> we really yeah. do rehearse hard and long. Like we're very meticulous. And uh, the thing I love about working with the people I work with, they catch me when I'm wrong. Like we we do show notes and stuff like that, and they'll be like, "Hey, man, you kind of kind of missed that lyric there." But uh. <laughs> Hey, it happens to all of us. That's a big thing about it, man. If no one's accountable, then how can we keep moving forward? But, you know, we try our best to just give the show we can give, right? We get up there, all the work we put in, and we throw it out the window and just have some fun. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, because at the end of the day, we want to make sure we're all having fun. If we're not having fun, y'all aren't going to have fun, like the people, you know? So That's a fact. that's, yeah. That's the thing. You know, we write some good songs, go in there, give you all what we got, and have some fun with it. You're listening to Time Signatures. I'm your host, Jim Irvin. I've got Matthias Latine. Uh, he is the 2023 winner of the International Blues Challenge out of Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, he is a Houston native. 
And we are, I'm, I, I guarantee you, we are definitely going to be hearing a lot out of this guy. But I, I, I've got to start asking you a few questions here and just have a little bit of fun for a minute. Because like you said, yeah. if you're not having fun, I'm not having fun, right? Right. <laughs> so let me ask you this. If you could have any big name blues artist on stage with you, past or present, who would it be and why? Okay. Can I get two? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Albert King. I just mm-hmm. love I just love Albert. Like you know it's Albert when he plays, man. You know it's Albert when he plays. And right on. BB. And the reason I say BB is because I never got to see him live. So everything I saw or learned has always been like some video. But to be on stage with BB King, man, that would just that that would be like the that would have been like it, man. To have seen the show, that would have been it for me. Oh man, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, well, I I really do because I um I sent my mom to see BB several years ago, and I've mm-hmm. told this story before, and I'm not going to drag it out because people are going to go, yeah, 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 we heard that already. Um, <laughs> I did not I did not go with her. Um, mm-hmm. I said, you know what, I'll go next time. Well, unfortunately, next time didn't happen. Um, oh wow, but. But if there was one that I would love to see, it was absolutely BB. Um, I did get to see Buddy Guy this year uh, during his damn yeah. right uh, farewell tour. The man still got it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you uh, know what? I would also love to share the stage with Eric. Eric with Gales? Eric Gales? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny oh. that you mentioned that because when I was talking to Ben, he mentioned mm-hmm. Eric Gales also. There's there's something well, about that Chicago group, man. They are they're just something else, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Eric is from Memphis, right? But he did he does a lot of stuff up in the Chicago area. That's why I mentioned it. Does he? I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Something yeah. But yes, Eric Gales. He is he is definitely that guy is on my bucket list. I I want to see him. I want to interview him. Um, you know, I'm working on um, getting some stuff together to. Uh, interview a, a couple of people i just put in a request for toronzo cannon and uh, i love toronzo get... oh, oh man we got to, we got to see him this summer he was fun dude he was just mm-hmm. fun and uh john primer's another one he's an if you get a chance to see john he's a blast oh yeah absolute blast yeah he's amazing i like him Ab- absolutely so if you could play anywhere in the world anywhere where would you go I want to go to Belgium. I really want to go to Belgium. Okay. Uh, so my sister played, uh, she played professional volleyball in France. So France okay. would be number two. But my number one has to be Belgium. I have no reason other than any excuse to have a Belgian waffle. <laughs> a, a true Belgian waffle, right? A true Belgian waffle. <laughs> <laughs> now, realizing that you're still quite new to the music industry. I mean, it, you are, but you aren't. Um, you're, I would assume you're still finding your way, but how do you keep that balance uh, of living in the public eye and in your private life now that you've reached this new level? Um, I don't really talk about my private life too much. Uh, you know, in Houston, it's a different thing. Like, uh, our blue scene is, is good, but it's not like... You know, walking down the street in Chicago, walking, right. you see Kingfish and Clarksdale, and everybody knows where he lives, you know? Um, right on. 
it's not that. And we're so spread out. It's almost like, you know, I can still live a regular life here, but I try my, I try pretty well not to, to mix the two. I go home, I talk about my day, you know, I'm going to talk about this interview later and be like, you know, they asked me where I want to play. And I said, Belgium for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, uh, you know, I try to just do that. You know, it's still a regular work day for me. It's, it's, sure. it's what it is. It's work. It's fun work, but you know, well, I'll tell you, I, I really enjoyed watching the video from the Orpheum. Um, unfortunately, that's the only music that I found out there for you. I'm assuming you've got to have something in the works. Uh, talk to me about uh, uh, plans for a, a future CD. Is there anything in the, in the near offing? There is absolutely works in the, in, oh my gosh, I can't speak to that. There's absolutely <laughs> stuff in the work for a future CD. Sweet. Hopefully very, very soon. Um, actually just got word back as we've been on the phone my uh master engineer just sent me all my my stuff back so nice hopefully very soon and uh you know there's some really good songs on here like we talked about how my musicality and all that i, I think it really sure. showed in both the best and the worst ways and uh you know it's it's stuff i really stand by you know i may not have the same stories as some other people, but this is stuff that I really stand by and I really like. And uh, that's always the hard part. I also produced the album myself. So. Well, yeah. And you know, the, if I can give you one tiny piece of advice, man, be true to yourself because I mean, what you guys put together for the competition, you know, for the IBC obviously did the, the, the trick, man. I mean, why, why mess with it? If you, right. you you know, do what do what works for you. Yeah, man, we we're trying to make sure we do that. You know, just right stick on. to being Matthias. I told my bass player, my drummer, like you know, and we actually have an organ player. <laughs> okay. People keep asking me, like, so you do you just not have a keyboard player? I'm like, no, we have them. <laughs> just you know, we're you know we're just getting into this this thing on the on the major platform. You know. Well, and you, and to be honest and fair, I mean, you're, you know, you've got time to grow, you've got time to expand, you've got time to develop. And well, my thing is, know, man, I'm here for the ride. I want to well, sure. learn it all. And, you know, obviously, obviously you can't, you can't live life without making mistakes. So I'm, I'm going to make a mistake somewhere, but you know, I'm here for the ride, living and learning. And that's really what I want to make sure that I do. I want to make sure I'm living and learning and then I'm passing on honest music to everybody. Right on. Matthias Latine, I want to thank you so much for joining us on Time Signatures. We Absolutely. wish you all the best, uh, all the best in your future. And by all means, when that uh, when that CD comes out, reach out to me. I will buy one I without hesitation. All you got to do is give me a call and I will order. And I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing what you got going. So Man, you'll until be next time. time. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. And we can bring you back on and talk about it, too. But until sure. next time, we, we appreciate everybody listening in, and we will see you soon. This has been Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. For more information on cabs, visit capitalareablues.org. You can find this episode and past episodes at lccconnect.org. The Time Signatures theme song, Michigan Roads, is used by permission and was written by Root Doctor, featuring Freddie Cunningham. You know, I'm trying, trying, baby, up in Michigan Road.
until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive. Baby, I'm this is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.